It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Have you ever noticed that it seems like on our way to victory that uh, we always get tired and wore out? <laughs> it seems like this journey of life just uh, has its, not only its, its mountains to climb, its valleys to go through, but it just uh, seems to bring us down. And, and it's, it's like that uh, during this journey and on our way when we feel like we're just about ready to hit or to touch victory, that that's when we face uh, the weariness test, if we can call it that. Say weariness test. You know what that means? It's when you just get tired, you know? When you feel like you've just gone as far as you can go, you know? Um, that's when you feel like you've come to the end of your rope, you know, and then you have to tie another knot in it. Uh, the weariness test. How many of you ever feel like you've gone through the weariness test, if you know what I'm talking about? You know, when it's like, man, you just gave everything you could give. Now, the Bible says that we are more than conquerors, but I tell you, there's been times when I've wondered about that. Because I felt like the men, if there's one more thing that stands up, I don't know if I can make it through this or not. But a lot of times what that helps to do is bring us to the end of ourself so we know that it's beyond us that we have to trust God. The weariness test. I've been thinking about that because, you know, it seems like that the Lord's been directing the last few messages towards, um, you know, keeping on, keeping on. And, uh, you know, when it's right down to uh, seem like that there's nothing else to do, just give him praise, give him a crazy praise. That's right. Well, I want to talk today about battle fatigue. Battle fatigue. But more than that, I want to talk about second wind. Because what I found is, is that when I do get this battle fatigue, if I'll trust in him that there's a second wind. How many know what second wind is? Now, believe it or not, when I was in, in school, I used to run track. I used to run some long-distance running. That's probably why I have two titanium hips now. You know, I think I just wore, wore everything out. But, but I don't know. I, you know, there was times, when, especially on long-distance, where, you know, you just, uh, your legs are burning, and, and it feels like you can't get enough air. I mean, y'all don't even, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Has anybody ever, ever run more than 25 foot? <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, three, four miles and, and plus, and you just don't, you can't see the end. I mean, you know, and you're, and so here it is, you know, and it's like, you're out there all by yourself and, and you're, it's going through your mind like, you know, what are you doing this for anyway? I mean, it would just be easier to just stop and, and catch your breath or slow down or something, you know, and, uh, you know, who, you better pace yourself. Who knows where the end is? All these things are running through your mind and uh, it gets tough. But something rises up and says, well, you know, just one more step, just one more step, and you just kind of keep plodding on, plodding on, and it seems like something takes place in the runner, uh, and it's what they call this phenomenon of the second wind, and it's like all of a sudden things kind of change, and you feel like you get this, not necessarily, I, I've never experienced this, this overwhelming surge of energy, but yet it's like things kind of free up a little bit. You know, it's not as hard to catch my breath as it was before. Maybe uh, my legs aren't burning quite as bad. And it's like it's almost kind of gets a little bit easier just to kind of keep moving on, talking about a second wind. Well, you know, I found that it's necessary in our race with, of life to make sure that we find that second wind. And sometimes it's easier just to stop than it is to try to get it. And I don't even know if sometimes we look for it or expect the second wind. 
In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, I'd like for you to turn there. Let's just uh, take this passage of Scripture. We've looked at it before, but maybe to look at it in a new light. It's amazing how you can read the Word of God every day, every day, every day, and it's like it's just something else just illuminates and comes alive to you. I'm reading from the New King James Version in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul tells the Galatians, he says, uh, And let us not grow weary. Can we just kind of pause there for a second? (laughs) And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, say due season. In due season. Or at the proper time, I think the NIV says. For in due season, we shall reap if. There's that huge little word, if. We do not lose heart. Let's pray. Father, help us today to catch your meaning to this in our life and our circumstance right where we are. Bring it to where we live today. Bring it to where we are today. Father, only you can do that. Each one of us sitting in this room are experiencing different things. But you can take your word and you can just divide it to every one of us and make it uh, real in, in our lives and, and the application for what we need today. So we give you thanks in advance for it. In Jesus' name. seems like the test never comes when, when we're fresh. <laughs> you know, uh, It's always when we're weary. <laughs> and it says, do not grow weary while doing good. Because that's when it seemed like it's really discouraging. It's like, well, Lord, I've been doing what you said to do. I, I've been, you know, working for you. I've been serving you. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. And, of course, the devil's right there to tell you, you know, well, what difference does this make? What difference does it make? You know? Uh, and that's when it just gets a little bit weary. It seems like that you work real hard or you're serving or you're running and you're pressing. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. And we're pressing with everything we have and we're believing that we're going to, that that healing's going to come. And we're, you know, and it was, it was easy to believe then and we believed and then it didn't happen. And, and so we're still believing. It's like, you know, I get one more report. And if I just had one more report, it's like, wow, Really? Really? I mean, Lord, I'm doing what you said to do, and you just start to get weary. Lord, really? These kids that you gave me? (laughs) I mean, I've been confessing over them. I've been speaking your word over them. Really? It's just I'm getting tired, Lord. These grandkids you gave me to raise? Lord, I come through. I don't know if I can take another 15 years raising grandkids. Weary. Weary. Lord, I don't know if I can put up with any more of this at work. These people are just wearing me out. I'm doing right. I'm doing good. I'm trying to let your character shine through me. And I just don't know if I can take any more. It seems like that the test always comes when we're just weary, when we're tired. You know, Elijah, he says, uh, how long are you going to be split between two opinions? He said, if God is God, serve him. He said, let's just put this thing to the test. You're serving Baal. So he said, got the 450 prophets over here and there's other, another 400 somewhere else and got them all together. And, and they said, the God that answers by fire, that's who we're going to serve. Well, you probably know the story. They worked and worked. And he's out there hollering. Just, you know, holler a little louder. Maybe he didn't hear you. You know, he's just taunting them. You know, nothing happens. He gets up. He sets up the altar. He gets the sacrifice up there. And he says, go get some barrels of water and pour on it. Pour even more. And he dug ditches and trenches around it until the water was just running off. 
And uh, then he asked God to, to come and to show himself strong. And God did. And man, I, he, not only did he consume the, the, the sacrifice, but he consumed the, the wood and he consumed the rocks and he consumed all the water and everything, the dirt, everything around just, just consumed it all. And it was like, whoa, you know, that was no doubt that had to be God. Well, that had been a pretty strenuous thing, I think, going on that, that contest and just various things going on. And he was just getting tired. And here comes Jezebel and she says, you killed my prophets? You go tell him that tomorrow the same thing's going to happen to him. He's like, you know, I just can't take one more thing. Now, it's, it's, this always cracks me up. You've heard me say this before, but he you know, faces 850 <laughs> prophets and all this other stuff. But one woman. Better watch out for those mad women. Boy, I tell you what, one mad woman. You know, it make the, the prophet of the prophets run. And he ran. And, he, and uh, finally, you know, he just, and he sat down under a broom tree, it says. And he just... Uh, said, I've had enough. I'd just as soon die. What takes somebody to the point of suicide? Suicide? This prophet? Don't get weary and, uh, in your well-doing. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For at, the, at due season, <laughs> in due season, if we shall reap a harvest, if we do not lose heart. Lose heart. That's what was happening. Elijah was losing heart. Uh, you know, we've, we see down through different people losing heart. You know, just getting, what is it? It's getting discouraged. And when you get discouraged, you know what usually happens? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, is what the Bible says. And it's like, um, here we go. We begin to speak out these things and we begin to complain. I don't know if you do. Y'all probably aren't like me, but I, I get to complaining, you know. And, uh, you know, I get to think, well, what kept Israel out of the promised land? Their weariness led to discouragement, and their discouragement led to complaining. And you brought us out here in this desert. Well, we were better off back there in Egypt. And God, why are you doing this? And here they go. They're, they're beginning to uh, talk about the, the way that it is rather than the way that it will be. Uh-oh. And we begin to get so focused on the way that it is, and we lose sight of the way that it will be, you know, and what God's going to do. And, and even though we can't see it, we can believe it. We can believe it. God spoke to Abraham, and, and I like what it talks about Abraham. It says, you know, that the things that, that are not, he, you know, he spoke those things that were not as if they are. That's what we need to do is begin to declare the things that aren't as if they are. But we have a tendency, though, in our weariness to get so discouraged, and we're so frustrated. And, of course, who does Satan want us to get more frustrated at? The Lord. Because if we lose heart with him, we've lost heart with everything. You can lose heart in everything else in your life, but if you don't lose heart with God and your confident assurance is in God, he'll pull you through. But, if man, if you lose confidence with him, uh, it's all over but to crying, as they say. It, this weariness, it just leads down to discouragement. And I don't know if you've been there or not, but, you know, I, when I read that Elijah got discouraged, Elijah, I'm thinking, well, who am I? <laughs> I mean, if this man gets discouraged, who am I? So I, I better be careful. I better be careful. If we're not careful, Satan will lead us into some pitfalls in our weariness when we're doing good because that's when you'd think that because we're doing good that everything ought to work out. But, you know, I learned a long time ago, nothing is based upon my works. It's all based upon God's grace. You know, and even the Apostle Paul, when he said, Lord, I've sought you three times for this thing, you know, and you didn't answer me. And God says, you know what, my, my strength is made strong in your weakness. 
Wow. So this, this discouragement, you know, it just leads into this uh, complaining. And, you know, they say, well, the giants are too big, and, and we can't do that. And they begin to see situations and obstacles in the natural realm of what was impeding them and what they, they couldn't do rather than seeing what God could do. And because of that, they began to talk about that thing. And, you know, they made a permanent decision on a temporary feeling. Think about it. They decided that they would not enter in. They made a permanent decision on a temporary feeling because they were just feeling like, no, there's no way. Had some fear, some doubt, some weariness as well. How many times have we made permanent decisions based upon our temporary feelings? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Esau was hungry, you know, and he ran in and... He made a permanent decision based upon a temporary feeling. And Jacob said, uh, well, hey, man, you, sell, you give me your birthright. I'll give you some, I'll give you some chili. And, uh, I mean, that had to be what it was, right? If he was in Texas, it would be chili. And uh, so he says, okay, let me have that. And it was actually really uh, ranch-style beans. But he said, he took it and he said, man, that's good. He, that's worth my, birth, my birthright. And he made a permanent decision based upon a temporary feeling. We've got to be careful. Boy, you know, marriages are destroyed because of uh, making the wrong decision based upon a temporary feeling. We're going to learn how to get past our temporary feelings because we start to grow weary. We get weak at a certain moment. And at that weakness, Satan comes in his strength and he tries to get us to step over and make a decision that's going to be a permanent in our life to set us back. And we just kind of grow weary, but we don't think about that there's a due season coming. A due season. Hmm. You know, I think the Lord sent me here to tell you, somebody today, that, that your due season is just right around the corner. Just right around the corner. Your due season is right around the corner if you don't lose heart. Because that's when it seems like it just, it's just so close. We're just always so close. And that's when Satan kicks in the most because he knows, man, if they, just, if they, if they attain that, if they step into their due season, I'm in trouble. And so he unleashes everything he can, but it's so hard for us to get that into our mind because we're weary. And when we're weary in well-doing, we don't think about all those things because we've already given up because it felt like, well, we did everything that we needed to do. It should have happened back here, and we can't even look forward because we're just looking down here. Wow. Wow. We've got to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to give in to this weariness and to the discouragement and to that what would come out of our mouth that would just evidence how discouraged we are and, and that our confidence is, not, confidence is not in the Lord. Be careful. You know, um, I, I remember a long time ago reading about how uh, David began to put a, a guard over his mouth. And the, the Bible talks about putting a guard over our mind and over our mouth. And you think, well, what is that? It means you set a guard there before you speak something out that it checks it and says, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 that can't happen. Before we speak something out that could be a permanent decision because of our temporary feeling, we need to check ourselves, as they say, before you wreck yourself. And we need to be careful what we speak because uh, there is life and death in the tongue. And what we speak out, we're given life to. And we, it's so hard to get it back. It's so hard to call those things uh, null and void. 
once we've given life to them. And so we need to be careful because God has given dominion and authority to, to us. And I know that's kind of like a, one of those, those concepts that's very abstract, but you know, it's real. God spoke and the universe came into existence. He's given us dominion and authority. He created us in, our, in his own image. And we, there is power of life and death in the tongue. Maybe you've had words spoken over you and uh, that it, it killed some vision, it killed some things in, in your life. Well, you need to throw those things off and begin to speak life into your situation. You need to prophesy to your future. You need to prophesy that there's a due season that's coming. That I'm not going to, this weariness, I'm going to throw the weariness off. And I'm going to walk into a due season. Hallelujah. And so uh, this one part says, uh, uh, he says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I think the thing, really the important thing is in our knowing. You know, it's this little, we need a check up from the neck up because it's really what we know. Do you know? So many times, you know, I've noticed that the Apostle Paul, especially in his writings, many, many times he would write, and we know, and we know. Like, okay, Paul, <laughs> okay, we know it, we know it, you know, and we know. It's like, why is he saying that? Because he's, he is speaking that out. He's prophesying that. He's saying, this is what we know, and he's trying to say, all right, mind, you got that. Now then, let that soak into my will and my emotions that I not only have a head knowledge of it, but I really know it. That I know these things, and so I'm not going to uh, uh, give up, you know, uh, right at the point of where my due season is. I'm going to keep trusting God, and we know. I, I kind of did a little, I jotted down a few things in Romans chapter 5, which is the much more chapter in Romans. But in, in Romans chapter 5, in verse uh, 3 through 5, the Apostle Paul says, uh, not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Hello. So he's not getting weary in well-doing. He said, you know, instead of getting weary in well-doing, I'm just going to rejoice. And, you know, they say you rejoice by choice. Because the real true rejoicing comes when there's really nothing to rejoice about. The Apostle Paul said to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say it again. Rejoice. That's what he said. That's how he wrote it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your moderation, you know, your peace, your not worrying about it, let it be known to all people. You know, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is always present. He's my ever-present help in my time of need. Things are going to go wrong in this life. We're not designed to live in the climate in the, that, that we're living in now. It says that all creation is groaning, crying out for the appearing of the Lord. You know, this thing uh, from the time of uh, Adam and Eve, from the garden, as it was designed originally in this original state, that's, we're not there anymore. So these bodies really aren't designed to, to live in this environment. And so things happen. Things happen. It's, everything's not the devil, you know. Now, he'll try to use whatever he can, you know, but... Some things just happen because they just happen. And so we got to say, well, wait a minute. Where is my trust? Where is my hope? Where's my expectation? What am I going to trust in? Who am I going to trust in? So the Apostle Paul says there in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, not only so, but, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know. How can you rejoice in suffering? When you know something. When you know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope 
does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Oh, that sounded like a second wind right there. That sounded like a second wind. You know, whenever it seems like, oh, my goodness, you know. But what happens is that you begin to roll. All this stuff begins to roll through your mind. Yeah, you've been doing good. You've been doing good. All this stuff for the Lord. And where is he? And, and, and why isn't he helping you out? And see, it's just about to quit when you start to say, well, wait a minute. But I know that I can make this thing. I know that I got it. I know that I've trained. I know that, that the end is, I just, I know my due season is right. I know the goal is right around there. I know the finish line is right around the corner. And so I'm going to just take one more step. I'm going to just run one more little jog. And all of a sudden it's like, and we know. And when we begin to change our stinking thinking, it's like things just happen to change. That's our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is from here to here. You know, just changing this because Paul says, it's what we know. And what do you know? You better know that the Lord loves you. Not just, well, I hope he does. I hope God loves. That's a, that's a human kind of hope. It's not even a godly kind of hope. So Paul says, but because we know that our suffering produces something. Perseverance. <laughs> I first read that. I, I read this in a time of weariness and I just shook my head. Yeah, really? Really? That's what I want to hear right now. Perseverance. Because I know what perseverance means. It means to continue doing something in spite of opposition or difficulty. I don't want to hear perseverance when I feel like my tongue is dragging and I can't take one more step. Persevere. Are you kidding me? But yet it goes on beyond that. He said, you know, what we know, our suffering is producing something in you. And it's not necessarily for right here, but it's for down there. You know, it's like a, last week's message. I'm strengthening you in your struggles for what I got for you down here. You know, I'm developing you for your destiny is what's happening right now. This suffering is produced. Oh, I wish I had somebody here to preach to today. If you listen to it on the podcast, you ought to just shout real loud so we can hear it in Alvin, Texas. Hallelujah. You know, that it, it's producing perseverance, and it's like, because we're still looking at our problem. We're still, you know, discouraged and depressed and weary right here. And we should say, wait a minute, though. God's going to work this for my good because I know it's going to develop some perseverance in me that I can make this thing because God's for me. And if God's for me, who can be against me? What have I to fear? The old song says, what have I to dread? I'm leaning on the everlasting. I'm going to get a second wind out of this thing. My due season's coming. Hallelujah. My due, look at somebody and say, my due season's coming. <laughs> he says, because uh, we know that suffering produces perseverance. Do you know that yet? Because if you don't know it, when you get weary, you'll wonder, what in the world? you got to know it. All right, we know this. You know, I've been here before. I'm going to dig out of this thing. It's when you just kick it into four by four, and you just crawl out of that thing. Amen? I went through one time and just did a study of the uh, four by four scriptures. Chapter four, verse four. Chapter four, verse four. Well, I found some good ones. <laughs> I found some good ones. You just do that little study sometime and just keep that out there. But we know that our suffering produces perseverance, is what he says. And then he says, perseverance develops character. I still wasn't real convinced if you read this when you're very weary, you're like, okay, well, I really don't even care about character right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, you don't. If you're mad at God, you don't care about character. But this kind of character is the one that rises up and says, you know, giant, you're going down today. 
I took out a lion and a bear. You ain't no bigger than that. I'm going to take you out today. That's character. That's, that's something that comes up within that says, you know what? Our God is bigger than this. Our God is bigger than this. A character that holds true and faithful to the word of God that says that he's for me. He's undergirding me. He's strengthening me for this thing. And this, more importantly, this character develops hope. Now, that's when it starts to get real. Hope is this expectation for good. It develops an expectation. It's an earnest expectation that, that it's going to work out for good. And when you know that, it will pull you through. When you know that it's going to work out for good, that, that it's, going to, it's, it's going to be all right. God's going to take care of it. It's going to, that your due season is there. When you know that, it's like that's when you get the second wind. The Holy Spirit is that second wind. Boy, we're close to, to, to the uh, Pentecost Sunday. What is it, next week? Boy, we ought to get a second wind right now before Pentecost Sunday hits. Amen. A second wind. Boy, on that one day, they were waiting in the upper room, and, and you know, they were pretty excited. But here's Jesus going away again. He said, you go and you wait. You tarry. You wait in that room until you are endued, clothed with power, robed, draped, endued with power. Wow. And boy, the Holy Spirit fell. They were, they got their wind. But I want to tell you something. That's all good. That's the retreat. That's the camp meeting. That's the, the, that's the Sunday, you know. Oh, yeah. And it's easy to jump and shout and praise God on Sunday. But boy, that, that next Friday, I'm weary in my well-doing. That's when I need a second wind. You see, that's when I need a second wind. It's amazing to me. When we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, all these Bible schools were up there, and Rainbow Bible Institute is there, and these students would come to our church, and man, they were like, yeah, and they were all pumped up because they'd been getting all this teaching all day long, you know? And so it was like, yeah, there's nothing that's impossible. And so we made a missions trip down to the interior of Mexico, on, down on the other side of Mexico City, way on down. And so one, a couple of these students, I said, well, let's go, man, let's go. I thought, man, let's, let me get some, some people of faith with me. We had all kinds of trouble. We broke down where you're not supposed to break down. We slept on the side of the road. You're not supposed to sleep on the side of the road, especially up through there. There's banditos is what they call them, all this stuff. And I'm telling you, this one guy, Luis was his name, and he was the one that had the most positive confessions. And he was like, well, what are we going to do? Oh, we can't stay here. You know, there are the people that are going to buy all this stuff. He starts telling us all this stuff that happened. I was like, wait a minute, dude. <laughs> We're here, and God's here with us. I'm going to get some sleep. Don't wake me up. We've got a long trip ahead of us. I don't know. We pushed the car uphill. Thank goodness it was a little car, but we pushed the car uphill. You know, we were weary, and I'm like, I don't have time to listen to this garbage. Where's all that positive confession? So next day, he caught a bus, and he went back. <laughs> Left me and Juan there to go on down. We did. We went on down. We had more trouble. But you know what? God developed some perseverance and some character in us, and we met people we would have never met. Holiday, oh man, what a, what a story, what a journey. We got back, Luis, he was still discouraged. He was like, you know, y'all made it back? I, he thought we'd, you know, we're going to die the next day, you know. And I thought, you know, boy, it's easy to praise God. It's easy to have a conf- uh, profession of faith when everything's going good. But when that faith is tested, Paul says the trial of our faith. Oh, wait, I don't think y'all heard that. <laughs> the trial of our faith worketh patience or perseverance. People never expect their faith to be tried. You've heard me say many times, faith's not faith until it's tried. It's not really proven. You know, you can make biscuits, but they ain't biscuits until they go through the fire, you know, through the oven. (laughs) You know, they ain't ain't ready to eat. They're biscuits, but they're not ready to eat yet. 
You know, and sometimes those, I like to, they raise up, you know, and my mama used to make them, they used to call them cathead biscuits. I don't know if they call that might have been an Oklahoma thing. I don't know. But they just kind of like raise up, you know, real big. I heard that story about that uh, old black lady. They were cooking and, and uh, they always had those big old, those old, big old biscuits. And so one time they came out real little and her said, Mama, what happened to the biscuits? And she said, well, I guess they squatted to rise and they got cooked in the squat. <laughs> uh, I've been there, you know. I'm trying to rise and I got cooked in the squat. Didn't quite rise to where I needed to be, you know. But you know what? It's not finished until it's completely finished. You take them out soon, early, they're going to be still in the squat. They're not ready yet. They haven't come to the full place yet. You know what? Faith isn't faith until it's tested, until it's gone through the fire enough to come all the way up. And a lot of times we want to jump out before we get to the top until we've really risen to where it really needs to be, fully developed. Because we know when it is, right? God doesn't know when our faith is fully developed because we know, right? Of course we do. That's why we get disappointed when it's, <laughs> it doesn't happen because we're expecting, okay, that's enough. I got my lesson now. I've learned my lesson. That's enough. God said, oh, no, no, we're just getting started here. We're just getting started here. When I was a kid, I always went to work with my dad and Man, he, you know, he built houses. But back then, I mean, we didn't have a backhoe. The backhoe was Paul David. Yeah. It wasn't John Deere. <laughs> it was, son, go get that shovel. I used to, I remember shoveling, and I'd think, you know, they say swimming is the best exercise in the world. You grab a hold of a shovel, you won't talk about putting some abs on now. I mean, you know, it'll, it'll start. And I hate shovels to this day. I bought a backhoe. It's sitting in my barn. I'll have a backhoe till I go to meet Jesus, you know. <laughs> I'll throw shovels away. <laughs> you know? But, you know, work hard and like, you know, so I'm thinking, so I go to work with him. I'm thinking, well, it's just, you know, a little job. We're going to be done. You know, like, okay, because I want to go do something else, especially when I got to be, you know, older. I bought a motorcycle when I was 14. So, you know, I'm like, okay, we've done? Oh, no, we're just getting started. What? Oh, how discouraging is that when you think that you're going to get this done and that's it? And, oh, no, we didn't. No, now we're getting here. Now we're getting ready to go to work. What? Evidently, I must have been, had some expressions and stuff on my face because I really don't remember what I was saying. But I do remember him saying, yeah, when all them other boys are out there, uh, when they get older and they don't have a job, at least you'll know how to shovel. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's going to come in real handy. <laughs> That'll come in real handy. Well, praise God. Well, it has, though. It's a work ethic. It's developing character. It's developing perseverance, you know. And it's developing this expectation. I'm done with this thing. You know, now I get to go ride my motorcycle. Now I get to go do something I want to do. But, you know, it gets so disappointing when we think that our faith, that we're done. We learn it. And God says, oh, no. No, no, no. It's not the faith for this. So you're thinking you just needed to learn faith for this. No, that's not... No, I, I'm developing your faith for that. For, I, what? What? I can't see that. Oh, I know you can't see that, but I can see it, and I'm developing you for that. When you get older, <laughs> you're going to need some of this character developed in you. You know, we need somebody. That God can see around the corners of where we can't see. And we know. And we know. And so when you get that let that perseverance develop into that character, and that character develop into that hope. And then it says, and, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
See, that's where you get that second wind. When you feel like you've just gone as far as you can go. And there's nothing left in you. He says, that's okay. I'm getting ready to pour in my Holy Spirit. I'm getting ready to give you a second wind. Because you have. You come as far as you can go. That's the end of you. Now that I'm getting ready to pour in me into you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, and we know, and then verse 828, you know, Romans 828. We're all pretty familiar with that. But how does this start out? Paul says, and we know that in all things, God works for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. But he starts out, and we know. See, because until you know that, you're going to be thinking, what's up? Until you know that God's a good God, you'll be wondering, why are you doing this to me? See, you've got to have it settled that God is a good God. Something good's about to happen down here. It's on around the corner. I can't see it yet, but you know what? I trust him enough that I know he's working all things for my good. I might not concede it here because I'm thinking it's for my good here, but no, he's working it for my good there. Oh, I wish somebody would just really catch this this morning. So when you feel this weariness, you know, that's, uh, and this discouragement comes on you, we need to begin to speak to ourselves because when you begin to know this, then you need to say, well, wait a minute. All right, now I need to speak to myself. Out of your spirit, you need to speak to yourself. Ephesians says, Paul says, speaking to yourself with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's when you need to just reach down and maybe grab that song that they gave us saying, you know, when the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. You know, God's got me. You know, and it's like, all of a sudden, when you feel yourself in that night season, and that song just comes up, oh, wait a minute, something's changing. And then you begin to quote his word, and you begin to be, declare who he is. You know, if God be for me, who can be against me? He works all things for my good. He's my strength. He's my deliverer. He's my savior. He's almighty. He's an ever-present help in my time of need. He's all I need. When there ain't nothing there, God's there. That's all I need. Boy, before you know it, it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? I, I, I'm getting a second wind. I'm getting a second wind out of this. I had battle fatigue, but now I'm getting a second wind that I can, oh, boy. Y'all, boy, wait till you get a second wind, then you'll know what I'm talking about. You see, just all of a sudden, it's not what you were going through. is not so bad because you get this second wind because now you know I'm going on. God's going to help me go on out of this. Hallelujah. Psalm 46.1. The psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. You hear me declare these things. I want to give you some scripture reference for some of these things. See, I've, I've taken them in and I've chewed on them and I've meditated on these things in the times of being weary. To say, wait a minute, I need to begin to say what God says, who he is. See, all his promises, Paul tells the Corinthians, are, are yes. He's already said yes to every promise he's ever given. He says yes to it. Now then, what happens is we just got to add our amen to it. And the way that you add your amen is when you're in the middle of that and you need that scripture, you need that promise to come into effect in your life. And you say, you know what? Amen. God is my ever-present help in my time of need. I don't see it yet, but amen. He is. And that begins to strengthen you. That second wind comes in you. Isaiah says in, in Isaiah 40, verse 29, he gives strength to the weary. <laughs> he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Hallelujah. We got any people weary in here? We got anybody that feeling weak? That doctor, you've gone as far as you can go. It says that he gives strength to the weary. 
Not from me, not from this or not from that. It's the Lord gives strength to the weary. Hallelujah. And it says, and increases the power of the weak. Mm. Well, Lord, I ain't got nothing left. But I thank you that you're sending strength. You promised. You promised to give strength to the weary and power to the weak. Hello, I'm a candidate. So I say, amen, God. Bring it on. Because I got to still get to that due season up there. See, I need that strength and I need that power so I can get on past this to get to my due season. I started trying to watch this program. It's called uh, Truck Night. I know. I need to look. My neck might be getting a little red. I don't know. But I don't know. Something about this. One thing that fascinates me is these guys, they have this huge um, track thing that's full of all kinds of obstacles and tears up trucks. And these guys spend thousands of dollars on the trucks and they take them up there and just beat them up to pieces. But they got this one. As you get through, if you get through everything else, you get down now, you got to go through this swamp area. Anybody ever see this show? So I can say anything I want. Y'all won't know whether I'm telling. Wade, you can back me up. They get to that swamp thing, and in that word, they usually go boom, and then it goes, and they, and they die out. And they, they can't get through it. I mean, they bog down and get stuck. What do they do? Jump out, get in the muck and the mire, get the winch. Take that winch, go around, wrap it around a tree, and they start winching that thing out, and it starts crawling it out, just bringing it out, you know, little by little, just crawling it out. I want to tell you something. Sometimes you get in your journey, in your walk with the Lord, in your journey of life, in your race course of life. Man, you've made it all these other things. I mean, sometimes these trucks, they've gone through so much just to get to that point that there's steam rolling out of them, and they're on maybe on a half a cylinder on one thing, you know, and they're just puttering along to get to that. And then it's like, really? You bring this up now after we're going through all of this? This is the worst of the worst. Yeah. So let's see if you can make it to this. Because you've got to still get out of this. And then you've got to climb this long, long hill before you even get to the finish line. I love it. <laughs> I think, yeah, I've been there. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Man, dragging that winch is like, oh, really? And you put it around that thing, and then it's like, come on, baby. Come on. Come on. And it's just inch by inch. Man, when you are in the times of your life when it's like, yeah, one more report back from the doctor? Are you kidding me? And it's like, wait a minute. I got to get one more inch. You see, if I look too far ahead, you see, and I, I'm thinking about, I get to worrying about tomorrow. I'm thinking, you know what? There's nothing left. Why even push through this thing? Just rest. There's some of them that just throw it up and say, I'll forget it. They don't even hardly work at it. It's like, they're done. Really? You know, because maybe they're thinking, you know, I don't even know what's around the corner. Because they don't. They don't know what, what else is there. They're almost done. But they don't know it. And they say, you know what? We're, I'm finished. They throw that, that seatbelt thing off, that harness off, and I say, wait a minute. You know, when I get to looking forward, like I said a while ago, you know, I can't, I don't, I can't make it through six more months of treatment. I can't make it through 15 years of raising this grandchild. I don't know if I can make it another week with this, in this marriage. We get to looking over here, and we get to worrying about the next days up ahead. And God said, you know what? Don't worry about that. In fact, Jesus told him in Matthew 6, said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. <laughs> That's what he says. I'm like, well, thanks, Jesus. Well, that was real encouraging. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I know it's hard today. So don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough of its own. What he's saying is, wait a minute. You don't need, don't worry about tomorrow. You, God's trying to work a today faith. 
See, it, it doesn't matter. It's not, God's not asking you to raise grandkids the next 15 years. He's saying, will you raise them today? You know, I might not be able to see the next 24 months, but I can make it in the next 24 hours. Oh, I don't know if y'all are getting this or not. Sometimes you just got to winch your way this inch by inch. Today, I'm taking this step with God. Today, I'm trusting him. I know he is all I need. Today, I will serve him. He's going to be an ever-present help in my life today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I want to receive his grace for today. And if he develops his grace in me today, Paul said, by his grace, he did this. And, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. What I'm giving is sufficient for me today. And when he develops it in me today, when I get up in the morning, he's conditioned me to start out a fresh day today. And he'll develop me tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow when you ain't got the day done. Because you don't have the faith. You don't have the strength. You don't have the conditioning. You don't have the perseverance. You don't have the hope, the expectation for You don't have the character for tomorrow because you haven't even made it through today. So he don't ask you to do that. Don't worry about tomorrow. Give us this day, my daily bread. Hmm. God, I'm going to walk with you today. I don't know if I can make it through, but I'm not worried about that. I'm going to walk with you today. I'm going to get past this one more step, one more step. I don't know if I can smile tomorrow, but I can smile today. I can smile through this thing. I can make it just one more day. That's all he's asking. He says there in in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, surely God is my salvation. I, I, I'm sorry, but when I first read that, it's kind of like I was saying, surely? Well, surely God's my salvation. I haven't seen it yet. But he, he's saying with expectation, surely God is my salvation or my deliverance. I will trust and not be afraid. I can trust in him. I don't have to be afraid. Fear, you've seen that acrostic, you know, fear. See if I can do this backwards. False evidences appearing real. Satan will bring all these worries to him making you think about tomorrow and the next day and 12 months and 15 years and all this stuff. And, and they, those things haven't even happened yet unless I let them happen and speak them into existence. See, worry is just the opposite of prayer. Worrying is rolling something over and over and adding uh, fear to it. Prayer is meditating upon that and, and then praying and believing and adding what we know, the Word of God. Fear, worry just rolls it over. You add fear to it, and yeah, that's right. And then you start thinking what could happen and all these things, and you add that to it. And that's just, you know, that's just the opposite of faith. And so what we believe is what happens, right? Whatsoever you believe, you're going to have. So if this is what you're believing, if you worry over it, you pray, you pray enough in a worrying situation and you faith enough in a fearful situation that you fear it into existence? Yeah. I know that seems real abstract, but boy, that's what happens. So you know what? We need to shut that thing down. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, and he says it again, the Lord. I mean, he repeats that. So that ought to be important. I think he's shouting out. I think he's trying to convince himself. He says, the Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. Hallelujah. He has become my salvation. He became his I got a second wind here. He says, right in the middle of this declaring that God is my salvation, he says, I mean, he starts out like, like surely God's my salvation. I mean, that's how I think he starts that out. Then he says, I will trust and not be afraid. 
And he begins to add that faith to it. And you can just almost kind of see him winching out of that pit. You know, I will trust and not be afraid. He adds faith to those words that he speaks out. And it's like things begin to change, that, that his future begins to change. He says, the Lord. And then it's almost like he backs up and says, and then he's getting it. He says, the Lord. <laughs> I mean, it's really settling down. Is my strength and my song. And then he says, he has become my salvation. Not tomorrow, but right now. Oh, I wish somebody would praise God today. You praise him right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Praise him right now. Hallelujah. He has become my salvation. See, he becomes our salvation when we declare that he's our salvation and believe that he's our, our salvation or our deliverance. Paul tells the Ephesians in chapter 3, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That sounds like Paul saying, I'm praying God gives you a second wind. Through his spirit, the Holy Spirit to energize you in your inner being. Not out here, in your inner being. You got to talk to yourself. You got to say, self, you better straighten up. You better see the Lord in this thing. (laughs) You better begin to get your eyes on Jesus. You know, you're going to feel your second wind begin to just kick in as you begin to just speak to yourself and just begin to quote the word of God. He is my strength. He is my salvation. He is. He has become my deliverance. There's a way out of this thing, and it's through Jesus. I'm, I'm covered. I'm sheltered in the arms of God. I'm in the secret place of the Most High. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, and we get say, you know, and declare his word. Your word says, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Boy, I believe there's a I can spirit. I can do spirit in this place today. I think there's a can do anointing. That's what we need to pick up. A can do. A can do. When I woke up and, and I see you or see I see you or whatever it is. I don't know what. It was one of them things and couldn't talk with tubes running down me. But I, when I came up, I began to say, greater is he. I remember I was trying to shout it out. I don't know if it was clear or not, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Because I, it was in my spirit, that struggle in my subconscious, I guess it was, that came out. And I began to declare who God was. Declare who he was. And came conscious. And you know what? He became my deliverance. He became my life. Hallelujah. Boy, if it had been left up to me. See, I was going through a weary time in my life when that hit. I needed a hip replacement. I, I was in pain 24 hours a day. When I'd lay down at night, my leg hurt worse because it's like, I guess that sciatic nerve had been pinched. I was just hurting so bad. And Sandy had been in the hospital for I don't know how long. And I'd been up there with her and getting maybe one or two hours of sleep. And what had happened was I caught that hospital-born pneumonia that she had had and others had when I was up there because I had a weakened system. I didn't know I caught that type of pneumonia. I figured I was, yeah, I was sick. I've had what they call walking pneumonia before. You just keep walking, keep on going on with it. And you know, you just walk out of it, right? I mean, that's what you do. You just keep on going. It didn't work out that way this time. There at the men's retreat, went, I I couldn't, what happened was I wouldn't get enough air. I wouldn't get enough oxygen to my brain. I was like, and I remember Christian sitting there. I'm sure he was embarrassed because he got us some really good seats at the men's retreat right up there in front of all those other ministers. And, and he said, dad, are you okay? And he'd be next to me. Yeah. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm like, I can't, like, I can't stay awake. And I said, well, I better, I'm going to run to the restroom, splash a little water in my face. And it's like, I remember walking in the door, but I passed out in there. I hit my head on the, the sink or whatever. Somebody found me laying in there and I got up and I was trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And so then a lot of the men from our church came to figure out what was happening. Just a lot of things were real fuzzy, real cloudy. But I remember, uh, you know, 
he asked me, he said, you want me, Pastor, you want me to take you home? I said, yeah, I think so. And I remember getting in the car, and that's the last thing I remember until I woke up in, in ICU the next day or whatever it was. But I was weary. And throughout that time, some of you heard my testimony. I was just, I said, you know what? You know, for me to die is gain. Okay. You know, it's, it's weird when you're in that unconscious state, but your spirit's still active and all that's going on. I, man, I, I jotted some of that stuff down. I couldn't talk about it for a long time. I remember when Sandy, she was in, we were in, I was in this hospital room, and down the hall she was in that hospital room. We are on the same floor, brother. The devil was working overtime trying to take us out. And I just remember saying, you know what, yeah, I'm just so tired, and I'm just tired of this and, and hurting. So, you know, for me to live is Christ, but for me to die is gain. Okay. And it's like the devil just, boom, hit me. But the Lord came up and said, you know what, I ain't finished with you. You need to get up. And I'm like, really? I'm like, really? <laughs> really? I'm weary. And it was like he was saying, nah, I got a due season for you. What? Okay. And I, it's like it was the hardest thing to get up. It's just like it just it took all the effort. I don't know if anybody's ever been through physical um, therapy before. Uh, when I've had certain surgeries, shoulder surgery, and you haven't moved something for a while, you just have to start working with it. It's like, really, I mean, to, to go from here to here just to raise your arm is like, oh, my gosh, I did eight hours of work. I mean, it's like it's, it's the hardest thing you've ever done. And that's what it felt like, just trying to, to get up to do that. I mean... People, there's times when you feel like that you've been knocked, knocked down so hard by the storms of life. But you know what? You've got to realize that, wait a minute. I'm not going to grow weary here. I'm not going to let the weariness overtake me. What I'm going to do is I'm not going to give up. I'm going to reap a harvest because I'm gonna, I know that there's a due season coming. I'm going to find my strength in the Lord. Maybe I don't have it, but I know that he, my strength is in the Lord. Paul said, I'm praying that you get this second wind, that he would strengthen you in your inner being. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ. I might not be able to do it in my own strength, but I can do it through Christ. And you tell yourself that. You know, it's amazing about this physical body and in our mental attitude. Uh, I remember my dad when he was so sick and and he should have probably went on to be with the Lord many times, but he was just, there was just a holding on. And I think men do this a lot more than women, but, you know, because we got to do, we got things to do. I can't die. I got things to do. I got to mow the grass. I got to, you know, take, whatever. And, you know, all this stuff to do. I can't die. And I remember talking to him. The Lord really kind of laid that on my spirit. And I thought, well, that's a crazy conversation. So I went in and talked to dad and I said, well, you know, how you do? I don't know what all, but anyway, I, he said, well, you know, I just don't know, you know, this about the house and your mom and all this. I said, Dad, wait a minute. We're going to take care of mom. Don't worry about mom. If it's your time to go, hey, why hang out here and suffer? If this is your time, man, don't worry about what's here. Just go on to be with Jesus. I said, I don't want to see you go, but don't lay here and just suffer. And, you know, it's like I guess he started thinking about that. and Things begin to change. I remember seeing some change. A Wednesday night after church. Went up to see Dad. He was in the hospital, uh, the veterans' hospital. My mom was up there, and I remember going in. We were talking, and he was wasn't really. He was. I thought he was sleeping or something. And then he began to say, uh, "I can't go. I can't go. I can't go." And so I, I said, well, "Dad, do you need to go to the restroom? We need a nurse in here or something." And he didn't like. We weren't even in the room. And then a little bit later on, he began to say, "I can't go. I can't go." I can't go. I was like, 
what, and I'm asking my mom, what do you think is going on? You know, does he need something and all this? And so we're kind of confused. And so he was quiet. So my mom, she was talking, y'all, and y'all knew my mom. She was talking again. We were talking. And then all of a sudden he began to say, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And I'm like, so again, I'm thinking, okay, what is it? What do we need to do to help? And uh, after that, so mom started talking again. I'm just kind of watching and I'm thinking, wait a minute. So I kind of stood up and being to kind of check him. I said, Mama, I think dad's gone. So we kind of prayed and got the nurses in there. Then they went crazy. Yeah, he was gone. So I stepped out in the hall and I was like, Lord, what was all that about? And this is kind of like I began to see that, you know, it was like the angel came, okay, Mr. Golden, we're here. Let's go. Let's go. He, oh, no, I can't go. I can't go. I, you know, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. I can't go. Well, um, you know, Lord sent us to come get you. <laughs> it's time to go. I can't go. No, nope, I can't go. I'm holding on. I can't go. And I think that one angel said, well, you just pull back that curtain just a little bit. And I think he caught a, a glimpse of heaven and glory. He said, I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. I don't know, but that's what the Lord gave me. And it's like, he said, you know what? Nothing on this earth matters. I got to go, man. You know what? Sometimes we just, it's, it's amazing what we can, what we can do with our, just our mental capacity and this, you know, our attitude. So if that's enough to hold us here when we're supposed to be going and keep us here, why can't we at least believe and say, you know what? I can make it one more step. You know, in, even in, as they say, a positive mental attitude, you know, within our own strength, God's given us the ability to say, I can go one more step. But what about when we get that second wind? Because, yeah, I might have to crawl out of this thing, and it might be everything I'm doing by declaring who he is. He's my strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, he's, he encompasses me round about. He goes before me. He is my strength. He's my deliverer. He's my help. He's my healer. Before I know it, I got a second wind, but, and I'm telling you what. It ain't no drudgery anymore. It's not a big deal anymore because now, see, he's my strength. I will mount up with wings as eagles. We'll run and not be weary. I'll walk and not faint. Hallelujah. I'll mount up with wings as eagles. That's the second wind. Come on, give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up to your feet this morning. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we make our boast in you today. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish somebody give him a crazy praise for about five seconds in this house today. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we praise you today. Hallelujah. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.